crossings every weekday at 1500 University. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanz in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Monday, December 5th, 2022. Various Sudanese groups sign an agreement to end the country's four years of political deadlock. It is essential to establish a truthful government to regain the sovereignty of the country for the provision of essential services all over the country. And the spokesperson of the South Sudan National Police Service says the government has tightened security to ensure safety of travelers using major highways connecting the country to East Africa during Christmas and New Year celebrations. Then we have a petrol vehicles with the highway patrol. Those ones, uh, they will be uh, patrolling the road. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The United Nations and the Africa Union officials are hailing Sudanese political parties and the military leaders for signing a framework agreement that would pave way for a new transitional period in the country. The parties to the agreement should draft a new constitution and establish a transitional government that will implement the programs stipulated in the framework agreement. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. More than 50 political, civil groups and the military agreed Monday to a framework that would help lead to a creation of a civilian-led transitional government. The framework agreement calls for immediate security and military reforms. They include the reunification of all militias, including the Sudan paramilitary rapid support forces, into one unified army. It also stresses the need to resolve issues regarding transitional justice in the country. The agreement requires an upcoming civilian-led transitional government to restore the country's economy, fully implement the Juba Peace Agreement, and continue to dismantle elements linked to the government of former longtime leader Omar al-Bashir from all state institutions. Speaking shortly after the signing ceremony in Khartoum earlier today, the UN chief in Sudan, Volker Pertz, hailed the Sudanese agreement and described it as historic. Pertz says, while the framework agreement is reached, it is important that all the parties immediately engage in a genuine dialogue to complete all remaining tasks in order to reach a political agreement and establish a civilian transitional government. He commented on needs of Sudan citizens at this time. It is essential to establish a truthful government to regain the sovereignty of the country for the provision of essential services all over the country. It will also provide a conducive environment for international support, most importantly, the debt relief. Perds insist that government with international recognition would bring immediate benefits to Sudan, including international financial aid. Sudan is in urgent need of a recognized government to carry out a comprehensive Sudanese-to-Sudanese dialogue aimed at resolving essential issues that are facing the country. That includes the identity of the country, equitable division of wealth, and paving the way for the completion of peace in the country. Speaking at the same event, the representative of the African Union to Sudan, Mohamed Belich, also congratulated all parties for reaching the framework agreement and stressed the importance of including opposition groups into the transition. 
Village says the AU looks forward to a Sudanese government that is willing to provide essential services to the public. We are not looking for a strong leader, but for a strong government which needs to be built on a solid foundation, a foundation that is embodied in societal acceptance. The issue should not be around distributions of wealth among the political elites only. Some forces in Sudan, including pro-democracy groups known as resistance committees, have distanced themselves from the agreement. They say they are not willing to share power with a government which has been using excessive force against them during months of protest. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. Members of the Quad and Troika countries of Norway, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, the United Kingdom and the United States welcomed Sudan's agreement on initial political framework. The group says the deal is an essential first step towards establishing a civilian-led government and defining constitutional arrangements to guide the country through a transitional period culminating in elections. Members of the Quad and Troika commended the party's efforts to garner support for this framework agreement from a broad range of Sudanese actors and their call for continued inclusive dialogue on all issues of concern and cooperation to build the future of Sudan. The group called on all parties to put Sudan's national interests above narrow political ends. As the clock ticks faster towards Christmas and New Year festivities, the South Sudan National Police Service says it has tightened security along major highways, including the one between Juba and Nimule. A police spokesperson says the move aims to protect the lives and property of South Sudanese traveling from abroad to join their loved ones in the country for the holidays. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. Buses from Kampala, Uganda are arriving at the bus park in Juba in Iraj due not only to the long journey of more than 12 hours, but also for fear of insecurity on the Juba Numuli Highway. Some passengers on the buses say the trip to Juba from East Africa usually is stressful. Susanna Dio is one of the passengers. Before I start my journey, I first put myself, I pray, then I, then I was not scared because I know I reach well, because God is there. Victoria Zindia, who went to bring home her children from schools in Kampala, says she saw a lot of soldiers providing security to travelers on the bus. Start from there up to here, there is nothing completely. So the soldiers are there in the road helping us. We are very happy. As the Christmas season approaches, it is usually a busy time of the year where thousands of people travel back and forth between neighboring countries and the South Sudanese capital, Juba. Major General Daniel Justin is the spokesperson for the South Sudan National Police Service. He says the government is going to increase the number of security forces along major roads, including on the restive Juba Numuli Highway, to help boost security for travelers during the festive season. He says security forces are being deployed more closely to one another along the highway than ever before. The distance between one force and another was very a bit longer, but now we have shortened the distance and then we have a petrol vehicles with the highway patrol. They, they, those ones, uh, they will be uh, patrolling the road. Besides that, uh, the buses and uh, all the travel they will be escorted. 
by uh, some forces from Juba to Numile and Numile yeah, to Juba. The same thing to Wau, to Bor, to Mundri and to Ye. All the roads are uh, under strict uh, surveillance such that we make sure that uh, people uh, make the celebration peaceful. David Anguk, who traveled on the same road this afternoon, says there is a massive number of forces on the highway. The escort was very good. And uh, we have seen a lot of forces along the roadside, especially at that uh, Javelin where the accident always happens and the road is very safe. So we hope that uh, during the Christmas uh, the road will be safe for everybody. People have been uh, scared all the, all the way. When you just take, take off going to Juba, you have to be scared on the road because the accident has happened for a several times. Justin says the government's security plan is not only confined to the highway, but also in Juba town, saying criminals are active during the festive season. So in the plan, we boosted up the security in the residential areas because uh, we even uh, make some awareness through community policing that whenever you are leaving your house, for example, you tell your, mother, your neighbor that you are not in, in the house, you are going to the market and so on. Such that whenever there is something, then the neighbor will know. The decision to beef up security along the Jubanumli Road follows recent incidents in which some vehicles were ambushed along the Jubanumli Highway. Last month, three people were killed and dozens of others wounded where unknown gunmen attacked a passenger bus traveling from Juba to Numale. Also in November, three people were killed and scores wounded when unknown gunmen attacked a passenger bus traveling along the same highway. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa's fate is unknown. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... What is your golden rule in life? My golden rule is never to give up, no matter what, uh, whether it's on family challenges, money problems, work-related, I just never give up. Golden rule, no, I don't, I don't like, I don't allow men to play with my life. That is my golden rule. And I don't allow anyone to talk ill about my parents and my family. Put God first because in everything you need God. And, the, and the, as you know, the feeling of God is the, is, the, is the beginning of knowledge. Not to lie. I always want to base my living, everything I do, my speaking, my saying in facts and truth. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. 
Hello, I'm VOA Health Correspondent Linor Mudu. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family, can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands with soap and water or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa Center for Disease Control. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. In South Africa, the Executive Committee of the Ruling African National Congress is expected to meet today, likely to discuss impeachment of President Cyril Ramaphosa. An independent parliamentary committee concluded that the president violated the Constitution and engaged in corrupt practices in relations to thousands of U.S. dollars illegally hidden at his Palapala farm. Professor Sipo Sepe is a political analyst and a former deputy chancellor for institutional support at the University of Zululand. He tells VOS James Batty President Ramaphosa is expected to fight back during the committee meeting. The president had indicated that he is going to challenge the findings of the parliamentary committee that looks at whether there is sufficient evidence to impeach him. And the issues that are related to impeachment have to do with what uh, first is the issue of him violating his oath of office. And uh, with regard to that matter, it has to do with the president not being engaged in any paid work. And the president had admitted on more than one occasion that he's a farmer and the money that was found and stolen from his farm was uh, as a result of the sales or the proceeds from the sales. And in admitting he was already violating one of the sections of the Constitution which requires a president and members of cabinet to be solely focused on the work of government. Obviously, based on what you said, the president violated the ANC Constitution. Is that correct? So why would there be a fight? You would think that there would be unanimous agreement for the president to step aside. eh? Yeah, you need to understand that the, the ANC defines itself as a broad church, meaning that uh, within the ANC you have a number of people with multiple interests. 
this is one organization where you have some people who claim to be communist, some claim to be social democrats, some claim to be internationalists, some are nationalists and all that. And each grouping pursues its own interest. And those who want the president to continue belong to one of the camps. So the ANC as it stands at the moment is a divided party. And uh, what uh, Ramaphosa's presidency has done, he has been engaged in purging the other people. So now that he is in hot water, the people who are participating in the purging of others with him are the ones who are now worried that should he go, they will face the same music as they did to other people. What we are talking about has to do with the president's farm. So for the purpose of our listeners, could you summarize what the issue is with this Palapala farm? When a person is appointed to be a member of cabinet and also a president, the constitution of this country requires that you forgo all your commercial and private interests, especially those uh, that have to do with business. So you tell the nation that uh, I'm assuming this position and all other issues that are of my interest, I'm going to pack them aside. And the president was always a business person. And uh, one of these businesses was uh, farming. And when he took over as a president, he claimed that he had uh, put all that business aside and put it in trust. But uh, after the theft, what emerged is that the president was somehow continuously engaged in the farming business, in the selling of uh, the special cattle from Uganda. So by engaging himself in selling, he was undermining a constitutional stipulation that one, a member of cabinet must be focused on government work and nothing else. So that is the first. And the second issue with the constitution is that a member of cabinet should not place themselves in a situation where there is a conflict of interest between their responsibility in government and their private interests. Now, when money was stolen from the president's farm, the president showed a, a very peculiar interest, which also exposed that he had not stopped being engaged in the business that he had put aside. But to make matters worse, he also solicited the assistance of the president of Namibia, who the allegation or the story goes that the people who stole, they were Namibian citizens. So by asking a president of another country to assist him in the apprehension and or arresting of those people, he is accused of using his office as head of state to pursue private interest. Professor, thank you so much for your analysis. It's well appreciated. You're welcome. That is Sipo Sepe, a political analyst and former deputy vice chancellor for institutional support at the University of Zululand. He was speaking to viewers James Buddy. A deal to end Ethiopia's two-year civil war with Tigrayan forces was struck in November. But whether it will be honored remains to be seen. There is a desperate need for aid across much of Tigray and on both sides. Victims of possible war crimes are crying out for justice. Fierce reports. 2020's Aksum massacre saw Eritrean and Ethiopian troops carry out extrajudicial executions against civilians, indiscriminate shelling and widespread looting in the city in northern Tigray. Residents estimate hundreds were killed. Hiab Kebret Sadik is a survivor. The federal government is actually the perpetrator of the crime and the criminals 
cannot uh, investigate their own crime. Justice should come from from uh, free international organizations like the UN, the EU, the African Union. Like many in Ethiopia, he wants an accounting for the suffering that he said he and his community endured during the country's two-year conflict. A peace deal was signed in South Africa in early November, and an end to the war may be in sight. But grievances stemming from possible war crimes remain. In September, a UN commission of inquiry on Ethiopia said starvation of civilians in Tigray was used by the government as a method of warfare and that Ethiopian and Eritrean forces used sexual slavery against Tigrayan women and girls. Tigrayan forces, the UN said, didn't use such tactics but were accused of war crimes including rape in areas they occupied in the Amhara and Afar regions. This woman from Lalabella, who asked to remain anonymous out of fear, says she was seven months pregnant when Tigrayan soldiers came to her house and raped her. She says the soldiers took her to a deserted area and raped her. They held her there for six days, from Monday to Saturday. She added that the local administration had already left the town. There were no police. Everyone left. It is only those of us who are helpless and weak, she says, adding that she was pregnant and her mother is blind. Although both sides have committed atrocities, the group Human Rights Watch, HRW, says it has documented a sustained campaign of ethnic cleansing against Tigrayans, much of which has taken place in darkness because media and human rights investigators cannot gain access to the Tigray region. Letitia Bader is the Horn of Africa director for Human Rights Watch. She says that since the peace deal, the amount of aid being allowed to enter Tigray is not enough to meet the enormous needs there. And at the same time, the services, be it communications, electricity, banking, which is so critical to meeting the needs of the population as well, have not been restored by the federal government authorities. So we really are talking about a context in which abuses are ongoing. Asked whether the peace deal is being implemented fast enough, one analyst, William Davison of the International Crisis Group, told VOA there are challenges in seeing it through. It's not entirely clear um, how much progress has been made in sort of deconflicting the front lines, this disengagement process. Again, this doesn't mean that the deal is about to collapse. It just demonstrates how hard this process is. Tigrayan leaders have repeatedly said they wish to hold a referendum to leave the Ethiopian Federation. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. At the recent U.S.-German Futures Forum, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and German Foreign Minister Anna-Lena Baerbach participated in a conversation on the values of a democratic society in an increasingly digitalized world. Both agreed, as Secretary Blinken stated, that technology either advances our democracies or undermines them, and that the only hope of accomplishing the former is by like-minded countries working together. The post-Cold War era is over, said Secretary Blinken. There is a competition on how to shape what comes next, and technology is at the heart of that competition. It is going to retool our economies. It's going to reform our militaries. It's going to quite literally reshape our lives. The United States and Germany together have a positive, affirmative vision for what that reshaping looks like, he said. It's about finding new ways to cure diseases. It's about using technology to make sure that we can actually deal with climate change. Uh, It's about using technology to make sure that we can have uh, our societies and economies powered in ways that don't rely on fossil fuels. It's about making sure that we have sustainable, healthy supplies of food uh, around the world. 
but technology can also be profoundly misused against people, said Secretary Blinken. To uh, undermine their privacy, to repress their human rights, to literally harass people uh, online, particularly women and minorities. It's used profoundly for misinformation and disinformation, which is, along with corruption, I think the two most corrosive things of any democracy. And, of course, there are profound questions of security. No single country can meet these challenges alone, Secretary Blinken said. Cooperation and coordination are needed, most importantly in setting standards and infusing democratic values in the technological and digital space, in creating, in his words, a race to the top, not to the bottom, when it comes to the way technology is deployed. Secretary Blinken noted that the U.S.-German Futures Forum took place in the city of Münster, which was part of the famous Hanseatic League founded in the 14th century. The League was an effort to create trading routes throughout Europe, connecting people, connecting products, connecting ideas. And at its best, that's also what the digital world is about, Secretary Blinken said. Technology is neither inherently good nor bad. What we make of it is. And that's our challenge together. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Sahida by JJD Muzika. Evangelio Maria
Listening to JJD Muzika and the song Saida. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. I'm gonna get